Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is July the 19th, 2023. The Orioles are 57 and 37 on the season after a second straight stupid loss to the Los Angeles Dodgers on Tuesday night. It was a 10 to 3 final score. Particular source of frustration for me is that Dodgers pitcher Michael Grove entered the game with a 6.89 ERA for the season. The Orioles ended up scoring just one run in five innings while Grove was in the game. That is not great. This was the one game that should have been quote unquote a gimme for the Orioles given that Grove was pitching and they really stunk against him. Not great to see. But there were plenty of other bad things in the game, notably multiple failures by the infield defense. There were errors committed in three consecutive innings and four errors committed by infielders overall. That included a bobble of a double play ball by Adam Frazier, who at second base is absolutely horrible in the stat cast outs above average defensive metric as well as defensive runs saved. Uh, In fact, by outs above average, Frazier has worse numbers at second base than Rugnet Odor did last year. And you probably don't even fondly recall Rugnet Odor's time playing second base. Fairly so, because he wasn't very good. But Frazier, although he is now having a career high in home runs, uh, does seem to have maybe taken a step back defensively and... So, you know, nights where he's out there, there is the possibility of that costing the Orioles. As it worked out, despite the four errors, uh, none of the runs scored were unearned runs. 
And that's kind of a quirk of the baseball, uh, or excuse me, one, the last one was unearned. Nine of the 10 runs were earned runs rather than unearned due to the errors. So that's, yeah, um, it's just a quirk. It was dumb that there were so many errors. It was also dumb that there was a seventh inning stretch where two different pitchers walked four straight batters. There were five walks overall in that seventh inning. That was two by Cole Irvin, who I guess ran out of gas or whatever as he entered his fifth inning of relief. Irvin's ERA actually briefly got under five after his first four scoreless innings pitched. However, then when two of the runs in the seventh were charged to him after he left the game, it went back over five. Three walks by CNL Perez. Um, yeah, it's been a problem for him this year. All of the walks ended up leading to four runs scored by the Dodgers. There were also non-error dumb things like Ryan O'Hearn trying to get a force at home when he just had no shot, should have taken it out at first base. It, nothing, nothing was going right for the Orioles on Tuesday night. And that also includes starting pitcher Tyler Wells, the MLB whip leader, had an absolute clunker. I guess we got to hope it's just rust after Wells went from July 8th to July 18th without pitching in any of the intervening days due to the All-Star break and the Orioles choosing to have Wells wait until the fifth game coming out of the break to have him um, pitch. He got just dynamited, uh, giving up six runs in only two innings, allowing six hits, two walks, uh, a rare for Wells, three-run home run allowed, although he's given up a lot of home runs this year. They've mostly been solos or two-run shots. Well, you couldn't even console yourself with that on Tuesday night. Um, another outing like that for Wells, and it's not going to be having, we won't be having MLB whip leader Tyler Wells to console ourselves after a bad outing. He is ballooning in a hurry towards no longer being the only MLB starting pitcher below a one whip. He's at a 0.98 after his Tuesday outing. So yeah, it's the question for me is, and I've talked about this on this show before, Wells last threw more than 105 innings pitched five years ago in 2018. He's already ahead of last year's innings total. And, you know, we're only here on July the 19th. So I am a little worried. It's like, is that an isolated bad start? Or is this like, the first sign that Tyler Wells is starting to run out of gas. We're going to have it answered a few more times every five or six days or whatever. And, you know, I, I really hope that he doesn't have too many more clunkers like this. That's certainly going to make it hard for the Orioles to stay on the current pace that they're on. And when you add in Monday's loss, the setting in some frustration, even though it's only two losses and even though, well, I'm hoping the Orioles won't lose any ground, although I'm recording this podcast before the Rays and Jays have finished their games. They're currently losing. Um, I, I'm hoping they won't lose any ground. The Orioles will still be one back in the American League East. It's it's just been a bad couple of days. You could maybe now shift and say it's the curse of Brad Brock as the former Orioles reliever has been in the Masson booth the last two games. I don't know. I'm definitely annoyed after being at the game on Monday. There was so much dumb stuff going on, on and off the field. My experience is that uh, the Dodgers fans visiting at Camden Yards proved to be rude visitors in the vein of like Red Sox fans. We had me and my wife. We had a uh, we had an awful concession experience trying to buy ice cream 
Although as a silver lining, we ended up not seeing the uh, Grayson Rodriguez sixth inning and what I gather was a pretty stupid triple before he came out of the game. So we ended up sitting back down in time to see Brian Baker issue a walk to load the bases and then give up the grand slam because after getting the 0-2 count to Chris Taylor, he couldn't put him away. Pretty dumb. Also dumb is that Brian Baker with inherited runners this year, he has come in with 28 runners on base and 13 of them scored. That's a 46% uh, inherited runner scoring. That's a horrible percentage. The average, uh, I believe, for MLB is in the low 30s. So, yeah, it's just not um, not what you want from the guy who's maybe going to need to come in to pitch when the starting pitcher is lifted in the fifth inning and or in the sixth inning, excuse me. And by the way, Mike Bauman is also pretty bad with inherited runners coming in. So you don't want to have him come in in the sixth inning, too. So, I mean, these things really underscore two trade needs for the Orioles, I think. I still think they're going to need to get another starting pitcher who's got a good chance of going six innings. And I think they're going to need another reliever in the back end mix so that there's another guy the Orioles can throw in, maybe uh, in a jam in an earlier inning. You know, um, although you could say, okay, Brandon Hyde should get aggressive and use like Yenny or Cano in the sixth inning. Uh, I, I don't think the Orioles are going to be able to sustain success if if they're regularly doing that. And they couldn't use Danny Colomb. Not that he's as great shakes as Cano and Bautista, but they couldn't use Colomb since Colomb had to pitch on Sunday and was unavailable on Monday since Edward Bizardo could not finish garbage time in Sunday's win against the Marlins. So there was an unfortunate ripple effect there. Colomb had to pitch on Sunday, wasn't available on Monday. He might have been a good guy to bring in in the sixth inning. And, you know, that's another part of the problem here is you get these relievers that just absolutely stink, and that creates a further ripple effect. And, you know, maybe rippling on from the Tuesday game is that Cole Irvin went four innings, pitched in part of a fifth, although he got no outs. So unless the Orioles make a roster move, there won't be a long man available probably Wednesday or Thursday. So what do they do? Do they option Irvin and bring up I don't know who's fresh at Norfolk right now. It's not Drew Rahm because he pitched on Tuesday night. Five scoreless innings, I believe. Walked three and struck out seven. A bit high walks. Anyway, yeah. So do the Orioles like cross their fingers and hope Kramer goes six on Wednesday? Whoever goes six on Thursday? I don't know. And, you know, the uh, as long as there's problems in the bullpen, it's going to create that possible ripple effect. So we'll see. But let's try and think about some better things rather than just the two stupid losses to the Dodgers. Through 94 games, the Orioles are still on pace for a 98-win season. I'm still taking the under, but at the same time, it's not a fluke that the Orioles are 57-37. and They have played well so far this season. They've won some unexpected games where the talent of their team has shown through. They've overcome some adversity to do as well as they have. That included, like, the Cedric Mullins injury. Um, I think also you could say that the Orioles have been able to overcome Grayson Rodriguez having a rough introduction to MLB rather than immediately being, like, a rookie of the year kind of contender. So, yeah, the Rays have lost on Tuesday. So the Orioles are still just one game back of them, and they're actually ahead of the Rays in the loss column. So... 
you know, it's cool. There's things that are going well for this team. And, you know, the uh, it's just going to be the, the four gamer against the Rays starting Thursday is going to be so, so huge. I don't know how I'm going to handle it, honestly. But that's a problem for another day because for today, the Orioles just need to not get swept by the Dodgers. Keep the haven't been swept in the Adley Rutschman era plus one series streak still alive. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I want to pick up and think a little bit more about the trade question. And my wife and I were talking about this a little bit in the stands on Monday night. And basically... What we were trying to talk out between the two of us is how much is this year really worth to the Orioles on their their period on the uh, success cycle? Because like last year, Mike Elias really disappointed fans by trading away from the surprisingly good team and trading away Jorge Lopez and Trey Mancini. Now, as it turns out, trading away Lopez was absolutely good. That might have even hurt the Orioles if he stayed on the team the rest of the year. But you know, the emotional argument of letting it ride with the team that was 500 on July 31st by surprising people. I got that. I get the disappointment still, even considering the practical realities of those trades. Nobody liked Elias when he said the Orioles probably weren't going to be a wild card team last year. But the, the fact is that team had arrived early. And you know, I think this team, over 600 after the All-Star break, you could also say they've arrived early, given that they're on pace for 98 wins. That's not what anybody who even had good expectations for the Orioles would have expected for this team. 
you could maybe say they're overachieving. They are six wins above the Pythagorean expected win loss um, based on based on their run differential. So, I guess the question to kind of figure out partly is like, is this season as good as it's going to get? And if that's the case, you definitely got to make moves that are maybe more aggressive than you would to reinforce this roster. Like nine years ago, we now know in 2014, that was as good as it got. So the Orioles trading Eduardo Rodriguez for Andrew Miller and making a push for, you know, going all the way. um, That was a good decision, I think, although it did ripple out and have costs for the Orioles because they're underachieving in 2015, 16, and 17 was in large part fueled by the starting rotation kind of falling apart. And Rodriguez would have been able to make a difference there if he pitched as well for the Orioles as he ended up doing for the Red Sox, which of course, under the Dan Duquette pitching quote-unquote development program was not guaranteed. So, But I don't think that this year is necessarily as good as it should get for the Orioles. I certainly think 2024 is shaping up to be at least as good. So I would hope if a prized prospect or a prized second-tier prospect is dealt, that's going to be for a player who can help contend in 2024 or maybe even beyond as well. So for me, I think the untradeable list is like any rookie who's currently on the MLB roster, um, Jackson Holiday, Kobe Mayo, Heston Kerstad, Samuel Basayo. And, you know, if you got the right guy and had 2024 as well, maybe you could talk me into Mayo or Kerstad, although I'd be sad. But, you know, it, it's um, the Orioles don't hopefully won't need to go all in for 2023, although you never know. You're never guaranteed the future. And who knows, it could suddenly fall apart. But the farm system is in much better shape right now than I think the Orioles farm system of 2014 was as of course then GM Dan Duquette's defense was always um, when the farm system was rated weekly after that point it was oh well the Orioles are getting help from the farm team now um, at the major league level which was true but it didn't help them get help in 2017 when they needed it because the poorly ranked farm system of 2015 actually did suck no matter how much Dan Duquette tried to talk it up. And, you know, the reason why the team fell ultimately where it did and finishing 47 and 115 in 2018 is the farm was actually as bad as the people said it was in like the 2016 range. Now, that's not the case right now. So the trades that they make can have that in mind, I think. But we, you know, what are we at now? Uh, 12 days until the deadline and I, I don't know what Mike Elias is going to decide. Um, my wife and I, where we sit at the stadium, we can see Mike Elias' uh, seats behind home plate. Every time I see him like on his phone, I'm joking, oh, he's like, making trade proposals. But I don't know. He's probably just looking at memes, just like everyone else is doing on their phone. And I don't know what kind of work you know the Orioles are doing to try to bolster the team. I just hope, I hope they can get a, a reliever. I hope they can get a starter, too. We'll see. We'll see how much it hurts me when they make those trades. Our mailbag is empty today, but if you have an Orioles opinion or a question you'd like me to answer in a future episode, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. And let's talk about a couple of prospects before we wrap things up. Let's get back to one unheralded prospect and then one revisited prospect from the composite 
top 20 uh, Orioles prospect list that I posted to CamdenChat.com before the season. So for Unheralded tonight, I am talking about right-handed pitcher Ryan Long. He was the Orioles' 17th round pick in the 2021 draft. They selected him from Pomona Pitzer College in California. And Long was recently promoted to Double A Bowie, which is one reason why I'm talking about him. And another reason is because my friend and fellow Camden Chat writer Stacy was her last name was Long before she got married. So she gets excited for her honorary cousins in the Long family, just like I get excited for my honorary cousins in the Brown family. So Long, while pitching with high A Aberdeen this season at age 23, he threw 60 and two-thirds innings across 15 games, so kind of a starter, kind of a long relief guy, um, which is how they've been doing several players for Aberdeen this season. Great strikeout-to-walk ratio, 71 walks, or 71 strikeouts, excuse me, to 18 walks. It added up to a 2.52 ERA, 1.005 whip for him at that level. So, I mean, that's a little old for being a prospect at Aberdeen, which, of course, because he was only a 17th-round pick. But now that he's at Bowie, uh, you know, if the good results continue, it could be kind of um, maybe a little bit interesting what will end up happening with him. Maybe that's because I'm a sucker for kind of a hopeless underdog pitcher. I mentioned this when I talked about Noah DeNoyer on his uh, turn on the uh, composite prospect list. Well... Denoyer really had hard times at Norfolk. He's been kicked off the 40-man roster, and deservedly so, because he was not pitching any kind of well for Norfolk. I, you know, I've talked on this podcast about when I got fixated on Joe the Gunk Gunkel. Really, Alexander Wells was kind of another guy who I would say that I latched onto. Honestly, you could say that about Drew Rahm, who is a soft-tossing lefty currently on the 40-man roster already mentioned him today. He's really walking too many guys for Norfolk and keeping the walk rate down was supposed to be Drew Rahm's thing. So, you know, the, as, as I say frequently, the unfun reality of prospects is every level is harder than the last and every level, you know, your, uh, your guy, you just get randomly excited about every level increases the chances. He just bumps into the ceiling that he can't get through and it doesn't matter how much of a nice guy he is. It doesn't matter how hard of a worker he is. If, you know, if the talent is just not in the, um, the genetic ability, you know, ability he's gotten to get the, the physical shape that he can to pitch what he can, then it doesn't matter what else is great about him. Right. It's, that's tough, you know, and it's the whole tough thing about getting excited about the farm system most of these guys, not hopefully not all the high-ranked, you know, top-level, high-rated ones will end up doing it. But most of them are just going to bump into that ceiling. And again, kind of piggybacking on the trade thought, um, just remembering five years ago, in fact, as I'm recording this five years ago today, I believe was the anniversary of the Manny Machado trade, the Orioles got a top 100 prospect, Neil Diaz and... He was worth bupkis to the franchise in the long run. So, you know, I don't want any of the current Orioles top 100 prospects to be busts. But if one of them is, I hope that that guy is who Mike Elias knows to trade uh, in the next 12 days. Okay. Let's revisit much happier 
number 10 prospect, Heston Kerr said, it's just been going great for him. And I'm really excited for him. I'm getting, you know, emotionally invested in his success. So that's one reason why I have him on my no trade list. I, I really want him to be good for the Orioles after all that he's been through. And, you know, the thing about Kerstad, he did really well for Bowie this year, but double A Bowie stats only mean so much since it was his age 24 season. And that's something I always try to keep in mind. You always want to have age appropriate success rather than old for the level success. But, you know, he, uh, he wasn't able to play for two years for a couple of different reasons. And so he can only play at the levels the Orioles assigned him. And he had a 960 OPS in 46 games for Bowie this year, including 11 home runs. They bumped him up to Norfolk. He finished Tuesday's game with the Tides. He's got an even higher OPS through 29 games with the Tides than he had with the Bay Sox. A 979 OPS, including five home runs in that time. So, you know, I'm just really excited for Kerstad specifically being able to make it after all that he's been through. I'm excited generally at the idea of a lefty, power masher aiming for Utah Street, which I think is why the Orioles drafted Kerstad in the first place instead of some of the other players who were thought to be in the number two overall pick pick mix in that 2020 draft, which as I've said on this show before, the Orioles' choice, even notwithstanding Kerstad's um, challenges, you know, health challenges, just getting onto the field, the, the players the Orioles ended up not taking it looks like a good decision to have not taken those guys at the moment. So like, and yeah, and the lefty power is worth even more now that the, um, now that the left field wall has been moved back. So you're, you know, you're going to get even more homers at home from your lefty batters. So like, you know, is Kerstad going to be a player that teams become interested in? It, it, it hurt. It honestly, it hurts me a little bit on the inside thinking about the idea of the Orioles trading Heston Kerstad, you know, just his story of perseverance, I think, is great. And I think that, you know, f- as fans, we we do want to root for the players who, along with being good, have good human stories to go with them. And, you know, it, Mike Elias, we know, is not a very sentimental guy. So Mike Elias does not care one iota who is uh, emotionally attached to the Heston Kerstad prospect journey, you know. He's the guy who drafted Kerstad, and if he wants to trade him for whatever, uh, he's going to do it. He doesn't care what I think. He doesn't care what you think, and hopefully he's right. You know, I, I can't say it enough. I'm nervous about the trade because the last, it wasn't a big trade, but the last, you know, try to add to the team trade they made over the offseason was Darrell Ernais, who is now at Oakland's AAA team. I believe he hit a grand slam within his first week with the Oakland AAA team, and, you know, he got... Cole Irvin, who stunk and got demoted into the minors and now is the long reliever in the bullpen. That's not not a good trade. And, uh, well, it could become good in the long run, but the returns after about six months are not great. And I, I wish I had something better to hang my hat on in trying to believe that, uh, you know, an Orioles general manager is going to be able to trade for a starting pitcher who actually makes a difference in the current season because going back a decade, we haven't seen it happen. So yeah, Mike Elias, please, 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 please do better than Dan Duquette did at adding to the Orioles rotation. Please. And thank you. That's all I've got for today. 
If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and leave a rating or review, and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will see you again on Friday. Hopefully, we will still be talking about the Orioles not getting swept streak, being alive, but if they do get swept by the Dodgers, hopefully they can beat the Rays on Thursday. Anyway, in between now and then, you can leave a comment on Camden Chat. You'll find me in the comments there as Eat More SK. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.